Magic Podcast, your one-stop shop for encouragement, affirmations, and guidance for self-development and life optimization. My purpose here is to help you discover where your passions and purpose intertwine, and I do this by bringing in guests who are experts in their respective fields. Our intention is to inspire you to soar past the limitations that stand in between you and your ideal life. Today's guest is the incomparable Jet Set and Jasmine. Now, just a disclaimer to the people listening, I have looked up to Jasmine for like pretty much my entire adult life like I'm 26 so like it's not a long adult life but like it's a very long time and the only way I can fully describe the magnitude of her impact in my life is letting y'all know that like speaking with her is like the equivalent of speaking to Oprah Winfrey and you're gonna understand that reference by the end of this podcast Jet Set and Jasmine is a licensed clinical psychotherapist with a strong emphasis on intimacy post-injury and intimacy post-illness she is the owner and lead therapist of full-service therapy practice, Blue Pearl Therapy. Jasmine is an international sex educator and master fetish trainer. Jasmine co-owns with partner King Noir, three-time award-winning Royal Fetish Films, and together they have over 20 years of experience as adult entertainers, directors, and producers. The duo's love of the arts, film, and sex education are combined to produce erotica that stimulates and engages the audience to explore their sexual boundaries. Their work on the decolonization of sex and porn and politics has been featured in Vice, Playboy, Forbes, Cosmopolitan, BBC, Psychology Today, and more. Set and Jasmine, I'm gonna take like three deep breaths and allow you to just let the people know anything that you want them to know as we start to kind of put a a voice to the name. Aw, thank you so much. Hold on, I need to take three deep breaths with you too. That was a. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel, now I feel nervous. You transferred transferred it I'm like your whole adult life. Oh my god, <laughs> what does she know? <laughs> I wasn't ready 10 years ago. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I just want the people to know that this is, wow. Like my mind is blown to me to, to be able to share time and space with someone who has been developing their career, um, you know, secondary to watching my journey. Like this is awesome for me as well. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for keeping up with me over the last couple of years. And um, hopefully allowing my work to to have meaning in your life. I think like I can fight for this title if anyone if any one of your fans wants to fight for like Jet Set and Jasmine's biggest fan. I'm ready. Like we can I can go to war. I'm like, all right, what do you know? Like 
because I can guarantee you I know more than you do. I follow all her things. She would be my therapist if I, you know, if I didn't already have a therapist. <laughs> Shout out to therapy. Yes, you might be my biggest fan for real, doing all the things. <laughs> I follow all your pages like you are always up to something like you have a new show on I think it's cam four yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can you tell us a bit about that so we we partner with cam for um it's been about a year of a partnership where um we are doing royal fetish radio which we've um had royal fetish radio for many years but now it's um being produced on the cam four platform and we're also doing our live fetish friday shows every evening um on their camming site and it's been really really nice to work with a a company um that has like you know the resources to to produce our material but also to share us with a whole new audience um, and also a company that hasn't asked us to tone it down right or to dumb it down that really is allowing us to bring our voice and our work um, to a larger audience without having to uh, you know cater to anyone but those that find our our work interesting and a value to them so that has been really 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 nice to be working um, with cam four on these on our porn and politics and our fetish fridays through our podcast and our live cam show one of the things that I admire most about you is the fact that you are unapologetic about everything that you do. Like yeah. I see the porn and parenting, I see porn and politics, like mm-hmm. porn and therapy, like you don't hold mm-hmm. anything back and you just fully, you know, allow yourself to just show up in these ways that some deem unconventional, but like it should be the norm to have all these different intersections of our lives be respected as a whole. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you manage to find the confidence to show up as yourself across all these different like fields that you participate in? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, it's it's definitely been developing over time, but I don't have confidence to be anybody else. I guess that's kind of what I what at some point is like, you know, of course, when you when you're finding your lane, you got to try different things on. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're exploring what what your life or designing your life you try things it's no different than like decorating a room you're like oh how would that look if this was there and that was there you buy something and you realize it doesn't fit you know so it this exploration has really been about um trying things and finding what fits for me and what fits for me is honoring all my intersections um and i can't be a better anybody else so it's best that i just stay focused on what feels right for me and what I have learned is that yeah these things are unconventional because usually people are modeling themselves after someone else they're not model they're not designing themselves for for the their own liking and I like I like what I've created within you know within self I like that a lot and I like exploring it and I like expressing it and I like the fact that other people gravitate towards this um really the self-love and and that's, that's really what it is. It's like, I love therapy. I love pornography. I love my family. I love money. And <laughs> I want to express those things. And I don't want to express them in like totally different ways and hide it from some people and not to others. Like, it's just, you know, if you're going to know me, um, I would like to to honor you as well and allowing you to know all of me because how disappointing it is when we think we know someone and then we learn like, you know, they have a whole different life. And I don't Mm. think that that's fair to the people that I interact with in my life. And it certainly isn't fair to me um, to keep a secret about myself that I'm not ashamed of. 
And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed of any of those aspects of my life. Um, I also think that I clear up some of the, the ideas of that you can only be confident in one particular area or you can only hold space in one area um, or things don't intersect. And like, that's not, that's not realistic to me. It's not authentic to me. Um, so I don't do that. <laughs> I just, I do what feels right in every aspect of my life. And I express that. Mm. Like what, what is the, cause I often have truly thought about hitting you up to become my therapist. And it's like, what does your intake look like? Because your life is just so public and open. And mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. I can easily look up your name and then, yeah. you know, subscribe to your content and, and get to, experience you from Mm -hmm. that lens Mm -hmm. and also experience you from the lens of you know like a person who was in charge of my treatment plan and things like that so it's Mm -hmm. like how do you what does your intake look like (laughs) that's a really good question um I get asked that a lot especially by um by other therapists I do full disclosure um to all of my clients I think something that's super important is that understanding um that a lot of my clients find me through my work and not everybody engages with my sex work in- incredibly intimately. Like you might follow my Instagram page, which is safe for Instagram. You know what I mean? Um, so not everyone who, um, who seeks therapeutic services has been like intimately involved with my um, porn or anything like that. You know, they might, they, they may know that I do it and it doesn't cause them an issue. They're seeking support for some other aspect of, of, uh, of my expertise. Um, a lot of my clients also come to me because they, because everything is out there and open that they feel like they can be vulnerable as well. Um, mm. Because it's like, Oh, I know she's not going to hold judgment about that. Cause I just saw her doing <laughs> the same thing, you know, or like, that would be really strange if she would hold judgment about that because that's her whole platform. You know, I see a lot of sex workers. I see a lot of folks that, um, have experienced sexual trauma and want to work with someone that they find is relatable, would understand what it's like to be a trauma survivor. Um, I work with a lot of parents who want to be able to have a conversation about their children and sex without feeling like it's going to turn into something, you know, creepy or illegal, or, you know, that they're going to be judged for putting those two words in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. So most of my clientele come already very much aware of the kind of work that I do and wanting to experience the therapeutic aspect of it because of the work that I do. Those who strangely don't know, um, you know, I, it's always, it's always a a conversation of disclosure. You know, we introduce ourselves and then I I let them know shortly after we've started meeting before they start sharing um, a lot about themselves is that I I just want to let you know that I'm also a sex entertainer and a sex educator. Um, my explicit content is widely available on the internet. If you Google my work, you will find um, some very explicit material. And if you choose to do that and it, you find it makes you uncomfortable or it's going to be um, a distraction to us working together, please let me know. I'll be happy to refer or recommend you to another clinician. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if you are not looking to, to look into that, you know, that's obviously fine too, but it's important that I disclose it because you can stumble upon my work and I never want a client to feel uncomfortable or like they are the last to know. Mm. Um, and in talking about this with other therapists, you know, they have talked about like how freeing it must be to not have to hide from your clients because a lot of therapists hide from their clients. 
Um, two, they ask, what is the value in your clients knowing what you do? And I ask them, what is the, the benefit of your clients not knowing who you are? Mm. And no one can answer that. <laughs> no one can answer that. Because really, what, what, you know, when we, we, I'll I'll share this as an example. I worked for a long time as a medical social worker. So in the hospital and um, when people would go for surgery, they, they would say like, you know, I know that this doctor is like, for example, they're like a medical, you know, graduate, they, they have their residency there, like, you know, all their, all their stuff on paper is really good, but Mm -hmm. I'm really, really nervous. Like, does this person, like, is this person racist? Is this person, you know, like, are they going to let me bleed out on the table? Like these kind of anxieties come up when it's a life or death situation. And I do look at therapy like that intensely. It is healthcare. It is medical care. And you don't want your clients having this anxiety. Am I being judged? Does this person like what I'm saying to them? Does this scare them? These are the thoughts that our clients have when they're trying to share. And so if just by sharing a little bit. I'm not saying everybody should be like taking off their clothes and put it on the internet. <laughs> like, you know, um, that's, that's, that's my extreme choice. But if sharing a little bit about yourself will ease your client um, in, in helping them kind of understand your perspective, then why aren't we doing that? Mm. You know, and so I do that disclosure. I do it early on. So it's like we're not establishing a relationship and then and then they find out. Right. Um, right. I give them an opportunity to see if their ethics, their personal ethics align, you know, to to at least initially with with my forward facing um, ethics and politics and, and things like that. So I invite my clients to to know the work that I am proud of. Um, I don't invite them to be my sex clients or, you know, to be my fetish clients and that type of thing. There's definitely um, a, a differentiation between my therapeutic clients and my sex work clients. And once you are in one of those boats, you can't be in the other. <laughs> you can't jump ship and be like, wait a minute, I nope. want you to step on my neck. Like, nope. <laughs> that's enough of the CBT. I want to be talking balls yeah. with your leg. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. But the cool thing, right, of having a sex worker that is a therapist is that my recommendation list is off the charts, you know. So if you mm. do want to experience ne- next stepping um, by a dominatrix that doesn't need to be me, like I can certainly help you um, source that kind of service in a way that's safe and healthy and even potentially make good matches to other sex workers that I think from our therapeutic work would be a good match for you in, in like, you know, if you're interested in, in some of the more kink play. Mm, that's wonderful. The fact that you are so open and just like, you know, very transparent. I think a lot of therapists, I've only had experience with like two therapists because mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say their names. Am I allow- Does HIPAA allow me to say my therapist's name? It allows you to say that your their name, but it doesn't allow them to say yours. Ah, so mm-hmm. I got Janine, who was a white woman, mm-hmm. and then now I have Shannon, who's a black woman. Oh. And it's like the difference between yeah. the two is just like astounding. It's like Janine did her best to understand me, but like mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. I think there's a difference when you have like a therapist who can share some sort of like commonalities with yeah. the the different things and the different fears that you express because an issue that I've run into as of the last month, mm-hmm. I don't know what time it is in quarantine, yeah. but I've, it's just been like, as you know, our reality here in America is black folks. It's mm-hmm. just one thing after another. And it's like, it's not even PTSD. This is like current yes. traumatic stress disorder. Like yes. we are in it. Under attack. 
Uh-huh. Ooh, uh-huh. It's like we're in it and it's like I'm here talking to my therapist and I'm like, she's a black woman. So she's also going through some shit. So it's like, how can we as mm-hmm. patients do our best to, I don't know, kind of like give our therapists who are black and queer and other, you know, who exist in other identities. It's like, mm-hmm. how can we give them the not the benefit of the doubt, but it's like as far as like that humanity that I feel like we don't give our therapist the space to just be human. You know, I come to you with all my problems yeah. and I'm like, solve my problems, <laughs> you know, and you also have your own problems. Like, I know yeah. it's not my job to like check in on my therapist, but I, I, I make it a point to just ask her how she's doing before we start. And after we leave, I make a point to like, you know, let her know yeah. how much I appreciate the work that she does and how grateful I am for her connection. That's, oh my gosh. You sound like the perfect client. <laughs> like, um, I will. I I have to tell you, like, this was a, one of the first times, and it, it is the first time in, in my career that I am experiencing the exact same thing as my, uh, as my clients are. You know, often like, there might be some things like, oh man, did you see on the news, whatever, whatever. But like, no, like we're like you said, we're in the thick of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a striking difference, like during the uprisings, I had um white clientele, and it was difficult. It was difficult to hold space for white people during during that time because I was having my my reaction to what was happening, obviously, in our world. But um, having a a white client get on on a call and just start sharing what's happening in their world and 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 their world is seemingly completely unaffected by mm. what's happening in my world was really really difficult um but remind you know the business sense is that I am here to provide a service and if this is the most pressing matter for my client then this is the most pressing matter for this hour and so you know as clinicians we do have to that that is why we are professionals you know, because we are able to separate um, and, and being clear, like it's important for as a professional to identify what's happening within me and then be able to put that aside momentarily mm-hmm. to be able to provide that service and then pick up my feelings and take it to my therapist. Mm-hmm. So one of the most important things in, in finding a therapist is making sure that they have a therapist right? Because that helps with relieving any emotional burden of yours, you know? So I do let, I I let my clients know all the time from time to time, you know, um, I may share something because it's relatable um, or I may share, you know, if I am experiencing something as a, as a way of not letting it bleed into our session. Mm -hmm. However, please know that you don't have to hold space for me. I don't want you to feel good, bad or anything um, in terms of helping me because I will go and see my therapist. My appointment is Friday night, you know? And so I I let that be known so that my clients don't feel like they have to hold space or have that burden. But Mm. I'll tell you some tips, like just what you said, being thoughtful in greeting greeting and ending your your message, uh, sorry, your appointment is, um, that goes a long way. Because a lot of times clients are so like, this is their only one hour to get it in, to talk about themselves. Um, and it's natural for for our clients to just want to to go jump right into focusing on themselves. So those little niceties go a long way. Being on time for your sessions, right? That's helpful. Mm. Um, not being a no show, like that's super helpful. There's so many ways, just from a a, a kind of common decency that goes mm-hmm. a long way um, with your therapist. That doesn't involve you holding emotional space, but just meeting your end of the bargain and doing your work. 
noted. I will be <laughs> on time. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be uh, five minutes late to my next appointment because I'd be rolling over in the bed like, uh. uh. <laughs> I feel you. How has your therapeutic approach changed like during this 2020 chaos mm. of a year? Um, that realness is real, real. <laughs> you know, um, like I said, things that used to things that that used to be very easy to just like not have not like not really have or share an opinion on because it's it's not my world like you know it's a little different now cuz it, it it's hard to it's hard to connect with a person right now if you don't know kind of what side they're on mm. you know um so that has changed the the kind of the the need to know a little bit more and the need to share a little bit more so people can feel safe in your presence. Um, that has changed a bit. What else has changed? Um, I've gotten a lot of a lot of respect for the work that I'm doing as a therapist and a sex worker and a champion for all things black and brown mm-hmm. this year. And it's kind of it feels a little weird because it's like, yay, like I'm being recognized and I'm being acknowledged for my work. But gosh, it's taking some really horrible things for that to happen um, in our world. And it's also very interesting, like being in psychology today this year would, would be like a professional, sort of like a professional dream, like a therapist, like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm being highlighted in this important magazine in, in, our, in our field. Mm-hmm. Um, but realizing that a lot of my concepts around therapy and, and caring for people um, in a mental health space would not be of interest to anyone if I wasn't also a sex worker. Um, so I find that interesting how like sex even will sell mental health work, um, concepts, approaches, and theories. And that, that's just been really interesting to me is kind of thinking like nobody cared about how awesome of a therapist I was until I took off all my clothes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. See, when you put it like that, it's like, wait a minute. I was going to say, you know, all those flowers that you're receiving, those are well-deserved because the work that you're doing is just phenomenal across all boards as far as like you owning your own you know uh sex platform royal fetish films you owning you know the only fans content like everything that you Mm do i interpret it as like you own everything that you do which is that in itself is such a powerful fucking thing you know to have you and king noir trailblaze and just show us that like hey you don't have to play by anybody's rules. You can create your own rules, forge your own like lane, you know, mm-hmm. blaze a path where no path has existed before. So like when it comes to the psychology.com uh, feature, what was the response that you got from like your colleagues or mm-hmm. other people? It was really, really, um, it was really, really dope, actually. Um, I think one of the, the, the best parts about it all, and like when you get to a certain part, where this part in your career where you don't even have to defend yourself because your folks mm. will do it for you. Like, that's what I was like, oh, I have arrived, right? Because um, <laughs> other therapists that are, are huge supporters of, of the movement, right, so to speak, were hitting me up like, uh-uh, they are going off about that article in the Facebook group. And I am tagging their asses left and right and like sending me <laughs> screenshots. I'm like, oh my goodness. And, you know, I am a, I, I do believe um, all press, uh, you, know, you know, like all press is good press, right? And, mm-hmm. and people sharing opinions and talking 
about the topics that that I raise in a very, you know, a very kind of like saucy way. Y'all talking about it. So that's good. As, you know, if y'all are talking about it, that means that something is moving and shaking within you. Um, and so to, to hear that professional uh, people in my profession from psychologists, psychiatrists to um, to counselors and, and student interns were having conversations about if what I was doing was OK um, mm. or what the feelings or what the ramifications or of what I was, um, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. That means you're talking about it. And and lots of sex workers that are, there's a lot of therapists that are sex workers, by the way. There's a lot of teachers that are sex workers too. When you think about how much these areas of um, this type of labor pays uh, in the regular vanilla mainstream world, like there's no wonder people have to have a side hustle. You know, mm-hmm. everybody is not driving Uber. Some people are camming. Um, so that being said, a lot of therapists slash sex workers reached out to me like, oh, my God, thank you so much. This was incredibly validating. This gives me hope that I might be able to come from under, come out of hiding. You know, um, for some, it was like, I probably never will share the two, but at least I don't have to feel bad about it. You know, mm-hmm. so that was amazing. And then I've gotten a lot of awesome teaching jobs from it. So um, probably since that article went out, I have taught to somewhere between five and six uh, conferences of budding therapists, um, budding sex educators on how to incorporate um, sex worker friendly, sex worker friendly things into their practice, as well as how to be a more authentic therapist. So yeah, it was a good Mm -hmm. article. Nothing bad came out of it. I was going to say, not all heroes wear capes. Some of them wear like (laughs) 10 inch stilettos. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What are some things that you think that need to change within the present day, like sex education curriculum? Because I know you said that you do a lot of sex education, Mm -hmm. teaching the therapist how to be more inclusive and just Mm -hmm. all, you know, all encompassing holistic approach to different people who come from different lifestyles. Yeah. Well, that in itself is that sex education has to be so much more diverse. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what's, what is out there now? And I I think I follow some pretty radical sex educators um, or sex education organizations. I'm not even talking about like the school, like the stuff that's happening in school is just straight trash. Okay, so great. We can all agree on that. (laughs) Moving forward, um, sex education in general can be incredibly hetero, right? Mm -hmm. So every reference is to like husband and wife, husband and wife, husband and wife. Like, you know how many people that counts out? Like me and all my friends. Right. Exactly. Right. And their friends and their friends and their, and my friends and family members and people who are not even out. And and it just, it it even counts the possibilities out, right. Of even when you're talking to a a room full of husband and wives, if you're only using that example, you're not even giving them the freedom to explore what that husband and wife ship could look like for them. Mm. Um, So, so that just using that as an example, and then we can go a little further, black and Brown people, like um, I'm sorry. I, I don't know that you will be able to help me as a sex therapist if you haven't studied the or are even open to learning about the generational trauma that attaches itself to black and brown bodies when it comes to our intimacy. Mm. Like, if you don't know the word generational trauma in, in the context of black and brown bodies, how can you provide counsel to a black and or brown body? Um, so, yeah, there's that. So that being able to talk about being able to have those kind of discussions in their profession, uh, excuse me, in their formal education. Now, there's Mm -hmm. so many things that 
obviously you do have to learn as you go. You know, you have to gain the experience to to cultivate like a mature practice. But I feel like there are so many programs that are doing such a disservice with passing people along with these sex education um, certif- certificates and and not doing these folks, not doing these uh students justice they're coming out thinking they know everything that there is to know about sex but they haven't had an opportunity to talk to someone who either works with or lives with uh intimacy and disability intimacy and chronic illness i was talking to a male therapist yesterday who was saying something about like well what happens when a man um you know is a visual person and his wife has gained a lot of weight and i'm like thinking like you worried about weight loss imagine having a spouse that comes home with no arms like how are you gonna figure out sex then and intimacy Mm -hmm. then but because we're not providing these opportunities to kind of like think beyond this regular old like hetero relationship and those like common rom-com slash sitcom problems that husbands and wives have we don't even start to deal with real ass issues that real partners of any gender face, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, you know, there's that, I think that sex, edu- sex education is missing the component of where we do some reparenting, um, where we, un- we understand where we learned and develop our attitudes and behaviors and biases about sex. So there's a lot of like, let's take it from this point and run. There's not a lot of let's look back and figure out how you even came to this understanding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it just goes on and on. If we just look at the regular, our regular system around education, around anything in, in the U.S., um, it's a uh, sex education is just a trickle down or excuse me, a microcosm of that. It's so white. It's so straight. It's so male centered. Um, yeah, it's trash. <laughs> lots of lots of pink penises and textbooks and Pretty lots much. of just <laughs> there is no representation of any sort. I remember um, my do we even have a sex ed class in middle school? Like, I don't remember, but all I remember is when I learned about it, they were like condom, good yep. sex, bad. bad. And I was like, okay, that's all it. right. I don't even like penis. So like, what, what am, what am I doing what about now? for you? <laughs> right. Like, you know, like don't get pregnant. Okay. Boom. Got that. Right. <laughs> what else is like chlamydia here, He's here. And I'm like, okay, you showed us all the graphic pictures. Where's the fun part? Cause sex yeah. is all scary, 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 scary. So, you know, we come out of school just like uneducated, ready to Mm -hmm. just, you know, horny as fuck, Mm -hmm. hormones going out the fucking wazoo. And Mm -hmm. it's just, we're just unequipped. And I feel like Americans are unequipped in like so many different ways. Exactly. Our education system just. It sucks. Even the part where, where like, what about relationships? Because typically before anyone gets into the sexual aspect, it's like you get a chance to talk, right? So even helping mm-hmm. people have like a conversation, helping, you know, we were talking like there was like a, this big movement in the sex education world around consent, 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 consent. I totally get that. But helping people even understand what their boundaries are. What do they want consent for or not? You know, uh, mm-hmm. how we know we need to get consent, but what are some examples of how you obtain it? What do you do with the information that's received? So there's, there's um, a lot of, of stuff that's missing on the front end and in the back end of a lot of education. And then, I, and, the, and then I also feel there's also a lot of meat that's missing. So uh, I do a lot of work on helping therapists understand alternative relationships. Mm. 
because everyone that comes to you, like I mentioned, is not going to be straight and, and married or wanting to be married or wanting to be straight or wanting, you know, like any of that shit. Um, the other thing too is, uh, helping, helping people understand, like I said, alternative relationships and also helping people understand the value of utilizing sex workers and sex education, um, talking to people with lived experiences with sex, uh, talking to people who understand how to have, uh, sexual relationships with people that don't necessarily need to bleed into other areas of their life. People who they dedicate their, their professional life to helping people with disabilities, um, have sexual experiences, sex surrogates, you know, so there's so many things um, that sex workers provide and, and services and supports that sex workers provide that I don't think a lot of therapists are, or even medical providers are either willing to, to acknowledge um, or know exists or have access to. So I bring mm. a lot of, I bring sex workers literally to my training so that then when you get into that, like, well, I don't know anybody. Like now you do. Now you know an escort. Mm. Okay. Now you know a cam model. Now you know a burlesque dancer. So when you're thinking about either being a provider to sex workers or utilizing sex workers in, in practice, even as just a resource or someone to learn from, you now have a person in mind. And they're like, oh, that person doesn't bite. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel like, I wish you were my teacher just growing up in Aww. everything in life. Like, cause it's like, I feel like I didn't even learn about consent and boundaries until like, I want to say two, three years ago when I like integrated myself into like the LGBTQ plus community. Crazy, and it's like things that are so basic, consent, mm-hmm. boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's like, where was this in sex education? Where was this when we were finding our own identities as individuals and trying to figure out how to form relationships with our peers and Mm -hmm. it's like it's just mind-blowing where when you see someone especially as a medical uh, profession when you see someone Mm -hmm. who's competent and aware and -hmm. just gets the shit it's like they set the bar so high where the bar pretty much was non-existent you Mm -hmm. know like it's Mm -hmm. like when you see someone who is doing things that are to the to the most people it's like this is revolutionary you know revolutionary as fuck where it's like, this should be the standard. All therapists, all medical mental health professions mm-hmm. should have this awareness, should be treating all patients, whether black, brown, queer, trans, yeah. all patients of different identities with the same respect, with the same awareness that you have. And it's like, you set the bar so high. And if there's any therapists listening right now, please just go do your research. Get and your life. <laughs> get your life together. Like, I want everyone to... Attain this level of professionalism, understanding, empathy, compassion, and just all-encompassing just goodness. You I know? can't wait for you to become a therapist. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's it. That's all. I can't, I can't do school, man. School is my one thing where it's like, man, mm. I don't have the patience for this. But I do life coaching, which is my way okay. of being like, okay. I can help you out. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. a you know psychotherapist, but like I know enough of them and I yeah. research them. To know that there are different healing modalities that work for some people and mm-hmm. some things that don't work for other people. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be like Jet Set and Jasmine when I grow up. If y'all don't <laughs> get that by now, it's like, y'all gonna understand. Like, this is the Oprah Winfrey of porn. Actually, no, Oprah Winfrey is just the Jet Set and Jasmine of, like, vanilla life. That's how it should be. Cause... I love it. Oh, man. Thank you. Ego is big. Not gonna be able to get out this office today. <laughs> I'm inflated because it needs to be inflated. Like Oprah got her own magazine, slapped mm-hmm. her name on that. Mm-hmm. She got her own network channel, mm-hmm. slapped her name on that. Mm-hmm. She got her own 
goddamn Jets. So, you know, yeah. slap her name, her name on that. Yeah. So it's like sure Jets did. and Jasmine, you live up to your name. Thank Even you. virtually, you, I feel like you still out here exploding and doing the fucking thing. And I'm like, oh my God. All from home. All Literally from home. From home. <laughs> How do you balance that? Like the work-life yeah. balance? Because you're doing sex therapy or mm-hmm. just therapy in general. Therapy. You're mm-hmm. a wife. You are mm-hmm. a mother. You are you know, a cam star, porn mm-hmm. star. How do you manage to separate all these different areas of your life? Um, that's a, you know what? It's, it's about, it's about not separating it. When I was trying to like, do like, you know, like, oh, like nine to five work during nine to five, sex work starts at six. And, and you know, it became that, that became a little bit difficult. Um, what tends to work for me, doesn't work for everybody is I wake up, I look at my calendar and I do what needs to be done. That's it. That's it. Don't, I don't, I don't try to overthink like every single day. I have so many hours that I can, um, expend to, to my brand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some like every Friday is a, a radio show, you know, Monday through Thursday as my clients and, 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 mm-hmm. you know, so I have some, some structure as far as that's concerned, but, um, I stopped putting so much pressure on like 80% of the time needs to be to this 20%. And then the kids like, no. I'm going to see the kids in between my calls. We have things planned. Um, I automate as much stuff as possible. That is a huge part of work-life balance is um, automating the other thing. And I think that this is so important. I was having a conversation with um, someone about this, and this will kind of tie into like being a Black woman, is I understand in, in everything from my household to my businesses and my personal relationships, what I can do well. Anything that I don't do well, I try not to do. Like, like it's not like I don't want to learn or whatever. But there's some things like I'll give you an example. Today is Friday. Uh, uh, we have a trusted housekeeper that comes on Fridays, and she gets the spots that I don't do well and I don't want to do. But guess what? She can't do be on this call and do this interview with you, <laughs> right? <laughs> so there are some things like even with with the kids, like there are things when it comes to spending time with them. Um, King is really great about the back, like go and play basketball, go and run, go get sweaty, all this other kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. not my bag. I'm not good at that. <laughs> Y'all want to sit down and talk about, you know, college plans. You want me to breastfeed you? Come on over. That's my bag. You know, so <laughs> just being okay with even my own limitations and the things I don't like to do or the things that I am not, um, I'm not great at delegating, hiring. I do pay for my peace of mind and I'm okay with that. And that's the discussion that I was having with another um, black mom is she was saying like the idea of getting, well, a nanny at this point in time in her life is actually cheaper and safer than sending her kids out into COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she was saying like, but like, what kind of, like, how is that going to look? Like I got a nanny. And I was like, that looks like to me that you broke a generational cycle of financial issues, <laughs> that mm. you broke a generational cycle of you have to do everything. Like to me, that looks like progress. But I felt the same way. Having somebody come clean, come clean up after me is like, oh my gosh, like what, what's wrong with you? You can't keep house. You can't keep house and a man. Like, no, (laughs) I can't. You can't cook and clean and do all the things at once while running your multi, you know, faceted business. You know, if the businesses were running so well, I wouldn't have to do those things. And I had to come to that conclusion. Like, you know what? The businesses are doing well when I'm able to provide 
my time and my talent to it. But when I start trying to provide my time and talent to things that um, are not my bag, then the the other areas suffer. So I'm I'm really really good about saying like yeah, that sounds like something somebody else could do. <laughs> That's below my pay grade. And and for real, like it's okay, it's okay. We work really hard to get to the point to get to these points. And then when we get there, you know, there's that messaging like you're not good enough or you don't deserve this or that some white people stuff. You know, like nah, mm-hmm. that sounds like convenience. It sounds like self-care. It sounds like accommodating your needs. It sounds like um, the fruit of your labor. And if that's some white people stuff, then sign me up. I need that. <laughs> I was like, I will take my white privilege card. I got a Thank nanny. You. I got a driver. I have someone who cooks for me. I have a chef because I can afford it all. You know, like live your best life. Yeah. And as far as like the pressures that we put on black women, like black women are supposed to be rescuing the entire nation Shout while carrying out. their mm-hmm. own families on their backs and mm-hmm. carrying everybody else's problems. It's like, when do y'all get a break? It's like, when do y'all just get to sit down and have someone else help you help yourself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what, that's what my, during my therapy sessions, that's that time that mm-hmm. is, you know, um, being able to check out and, and then also realizing my world, honestly, is it is my children, you know? And sometimes we do have to, as, as black women, as black people is re-identify what our world is from time to time. Because um, oftentimes we do see black women out there saving the world at the sacrifice of their own children, at the sacrifice of their Mm. own home, at the sacrifice of their own health. And at the end of life, all of those people that you put that cape on for are not going to be the ones, you know, really living your uh, living out your legacy or um, that you're going to have the greatest desire to, you know, to be linked to forever. And it just... I, and I have to remind myself that um, when I get into this, like, we got to do this and we got to do this. And, and I'm like, mm, really, all you got to do is stay black and die and take care of these kids in this house. Um, and that allows me to kind of ground myself to reprioritize and give the world what I what I actually have available for the, the rest of the world. Hmm. Ration, ration. Stay black and die. That's all I got. That's do. it. Don't that's ask me whole... for shit. No, no. You really don't have to do anything, but but that because that's a full time job. <laughs> that's a fucking word. You taking us to church? I'm over here like, goddamn. <laughs> like, wait a minute. That's a nice reminder. Like, all I gotta do is stay black and die. Like, what the fuck? I don't owe nobody my labor. Nothing. I don't owe anybody any explanations because I feel like people on the internet especially are so entitled to our time and energy and space I'm like what the fuck do I look like arguing with goddamn like you know Becky 35455 on Instagram who doesn't know what racism is it's like block delete bye-bye like my time is spent literally watching King Noir and Jet Set and Jasmine (laughs) live their best life and I will continue to just consume black joy there you go and just you know create and cultivate the spaces that bring me happiness Mm because like I've made it a purpose to like unfollow as many people as I can Mm -hmm. people who just Mm -hmm. are taking up time and space and expecting free labor it's like going back and forth on twitter with someone who doesn't agree with your ideals I'm like "Mm, that's for Mm -hmm. the birds delete Mm -hmm. block you're not paying me for this so why am I gonna try to get you to see life from my point of view Mm -hmm. especially as like you know the debates are happening the the all this political shit is like leading up to this big moment where i'm like i'm not explaining my politics to nobody it's like i'm gonna talk to the people that i want to talk to and we can feed each other's ideas and grow you know we can have dialogue that's 
with the intention to grow. Mm-hmm. Some people just want to poke at you and like, you know, get you to like have some sort of reaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, I've learned how to set my boundaries from watching you. Like the way that you respond to some of your followers <laughs> makes me laugh. I'll never forget. I think someone, mm-hmm. someone tried to correct you on like spelling or something and you just read them to filth and so nicely and also so powerfully. And you were just like, I don't remember what you said, but you were like, you just check them and I was like oh my god well you know even like even that like sometimes like okay I am not like a god awful mean person and I do I do generally want growth in in most people (laughs) (laughs) so there are times where when you know even to even in in correcting someone or even in showing someone how to treat me um I don't have to be nasty about it I don't have to come out of my my persona about it and that that like essentially is my brand right it's like Mm. I'm just on this exploration journey I'm just being me in the moment and you just get to to pay to bear witness Mm. and so even in that is like I'm I'm I I need to talk to this person the exact same way that I would talk to them if they're in front of my face you know um Mm -hmm. and I also very much like you there are times where I'm just like oh yeah I don't have to respond to that because that person that hasn't even taken the time to put a um a profile picture in their mm-hmm. thing you know what I mean so like if they haven't taken the time to invest in in their own identity what, what do I look like explaining myself to them mm-hmm. you know um or like I, I said before is that it's really nice now that um oftentimes I don't even have to engage because my my fans and my followers are able to do that in a way that to me that speaks a lot more volume because it's like it's it's not just me, the crazy porn performer who believes this. Clearly, there are other people who don't understand why you're here. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And they'll run people off way faster than I will. So, um, yeah. By the time you see the comments, there's already I'm like, like oh people. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I didn't have to do nothing. The trash nothing. took itself out. Oh, it's such a I nice. finally remembered the thing that I saw. It was, oh, I think... Someone on Twitter was coming for one of your babies, and oh, you were just like, "Uh-uh, That's what y'all got me gonna fucked do. up." It's like yep. we, we gonna, I'm gonna have this conversation right here, right yep. now. Let me address this. Yeah, and I was sitting there like, "Damn, can my mama do that? Like, <laughs> mama, can you get on Instagram and tell these hoes to leave me the fuck alone?" <laughs> that's exactly, that's exactly what I did, and in a way, that still gave that child space to grow. And the, um, we actually had a conversation where she was just like, you know, since I do, since I am in your industry and now that we've kind of sorted things out, can I ask you some questions? Absolutely, baby, pull up a seat now that you've gotten your lesson. Hmm. Once again, not all heroes wear capes and nope. some people will just on site, they gonna fight you and just mm-hmm. leave you with that. Mm-hmm. But here you are just teaching the young ones and like stop bullying. And if you want to learn some things and you want to actually listen to grow, come sit down. I'm come gonna teach you. I really do want to be like you when I grow up, Jasmine. Like you already, you you already got this. So so now at this point, it's like you're just gonna go ahead and be better, and then I'll be like, I remember you was that baby, and you had a little <laughs> podcast. We can be on my podcast now, baby. <laughs> oh my god, nursing home stories are gonna be lit. I'm like, I know, I right? So <laughs> your followers have uh, your your listeners didn't hear our pre-show, but um, yeah. So magic is going to come and visit me if I should ever end up in any institution. <laughs> uh, uh-uh, we're not gonna let that happen. It's like you got too many babies and followers who are gonna be like, no, we're gonna actually just fund a house for you. This is gonna be the Jet Set and Jasmine 
porn star uh playboy mansion where it. you have a bunch of like you know little stripper boys come and clean your oh, house yeah. for you make yeah. everything work you know we gonna, okay. we gonna make it happen you're not going to no retirement home i don't okay. you know what i've seen king noir do do like flying push-ups it's like oh, king noir is all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that man will never age and i feel like <laughs> He's going to be like 100 years old just doing like spider push-ups and like carrying you across the tables and speak it, speak it. (laughs) Y'all are going to be like literally living your best like senior citizen life. And I'm going to be there subscribing to all the OnlyFans and all the porn star channels. I'm like, yes, senior citizen porn, yes. I'm I'm so for that. I am so for that. I I really, um, you saying that is so funny because I, people are always like, okay, so when are you going to like... When when you think you're gonna stop shooting, I'm like I don't I don't think ever because I still look at Jerry like I, I look at geriatric porn all the time because it's it is just as much of a part of learning of like okay how do our bodies change mm-hmm. what kind of positions are interesting like what do older older porn stars um, seem to gravitate towards sexually like the, the the sex ed never stops for the rest of our mm-hmm. lives like we are sexual beings through and through so um, yeah some of that silver sex coming. I am excited for that. What what do like the like the lifetime subscribers get? Because like I feel like if I followed you for like the past fifty years, it's like you, can I, can I... a, you get to be in a scene. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Gay Jesus has heard my prayers. It's like I'm saving up money to buy my King Noir dick. Like I just I love it. If y'all don't have the King Noir dick, I think he put it next to like a Coca Cola can. Yeah. and I was like, oh my god, it is bigger than a Coca Cola can. My imagination just goes away. And I'm like, this is why I'm pansexual. This is why. Right I can here. never. <laughs> it's like, I this dick that. has probably changed lives, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't like idolizing people because I feel like it puts people on like a false like pedestal. But like the respect and love and admiration that I have for you and King Noir. Like I'm taking notes on how to be a better parent. And I'm not even a fucking parent. Like That's, how you, that's to- how you know you're going to be a great parent though, right there. Like the fact that, you know, anything that we prepare and learn for, we're putting ourselves in, in a good position. Um, so I know I appreciate that. And it doesn't feel like idolatry. It feels like I know that this is a space that hasn't been offered. Um, that, that, you know, like the things that we're talking about for both of both of our careers and personal lives, like we are pushing boundaries and representation different representation, diversity and representation, it matters so much. So when people say some of the things that you're sharing with me, it really is validation. Like I, I, I felt like I had to do this work because I wasn't seeing the things that I needed to see to grow sexually. Um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, even as a woman. And so I understand what it's like when we see some, some hints of that in other people. It's like, yeah, you do have to latch on and take what you could take from it and leave whatever is not for you. But it's so important because we, we lack that representation in so many facets of, of our life. And you are doing so much work when it comes to like the representation, like, you know, Real House, as far as, you know, watching Black pornography that is created, you know, by you know, by us, for mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. It just, it's life-changing. I feel like I'm going to go watch porn after this because I'm, yes! like, I'm like, what's your, what's your favorite porn to watch? Oh, ours. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it really, it, it really is. Um, I like, I like watching a lot of our scenes because making it is cool, but being able to see it back. And then that, that little like moment of like, oh yeah, that's right. 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 Before that thing happened. Oh, you know, so the, the art part of, of it is kind of cool. Um, but outside of that, my favorite um, porn outside of royal fetish porn, my genre is usually gay and lesbian porn is um, my favorite. I just love the same sex interaction is very different. And there's a chemistry that usually is not found in straight porn. For the people listening here, okay. what is it that you want them to leave like understanding and knowing about therapy, about porn, about all the different intersections that you mm. represent? I think the most important thing is that, um, you know, sex, sex is used to sell everything, right? So therefore that shows how important it is. Um, it also shows, will show you how it is everywhere. Like if you turn there, there are sexes, right? Either in your fantasies, in your thinking or by design. Um, that being said, if it's, it, it's kind of like always the elephant in the room, so the more we can get comfortable with talking about sex and talking about how certain things have an impact on intimacy, not just sex, sex is a part of intimacy, then the further that we can help help people just learn themselves, learn their partners, and, and really learn even their relation in, in the world. Um, because intimacy is one of our one of our very basic needs. So you know, I just say to those that are listening, any ways that you can find the intersections of how things, whether it's race, mental health, um, finances, access to healthcare, all of these things, how they inter how they intersect with your with intimacy, um, I think that you will start to see areas of your life that maybe need to be prioritized in therapy, right? Um, mm. Or need to be explored a little further. I think it is really important for us to to be paying attention to these intersections and what's coming up. Um, because a lot of times we're fo so focused on the symptoms and we're not getting to the root of the issue, um, or we're not seeing how these symptoms are having an impact on our relationships and relationships being incredibly important. Uh, I think oftentimes we're looking at like food, water, and shelter all the time and forgetting about the basic need of intimacy. So I just implore those that are listening to explore intimacy for its problems as well as for its pleasures in your life. Now, I hope y'all see or hear why I love Jet Set and Jasmine as much mm -hmm. as I do. It was an absolute honor and pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so, so, so much for the wisdom and knowledge that you've shared with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me.